Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical. Medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. So thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome into an Uncomfortable Truth Thursday here on the show. Andrew Coppins, Pat Oni, alongside you for the next uh, 45 minutes or so. Um, We have a lot to get into, so we'll dive into it in just a second. But do not forget, you can watch the show on our Rumble page, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Or... You can listen via podcast, you know the drill by now, but if you become a critical thinker, join us on our Locals community, $5 a month or $45 for the year, take your pick, Um, but if you do that, you get the extra afterthought, so 15 minutes of extra Pat and I discussing various topics, Um, a topic that uh, we, we feel deserves some justice, but maybe just didn't have time to get to or needs a deeper dive on its own. Um, so we have a lot of that stuff to get into it. But Pat, it is opening day for Major League Baseball and uh, down the street over just a little bit from me. It is opening day. It is the rivalry of, I would argue, probably the third or fourth best in all of Major League Baseball right now. Cubs, Brewers, opening day at Wrigley Field. Um, You can't get much better than that, other than maybe Giants-Dodgers, right? Or, well, I don't even know if you can call Yankees-Mets really a rivalry. It's just... Well, Yankees-Red Sox would be one, right? Yankees-Red Sox, probably uh, Dodgers-Giants two, and I would argue this is probably three. I can't think of a more intense rivalry in at least the eastern half of uh, I was the National say, League. I was going to say, it, it, when when both teams are good, I would argue Cardinals-Reds. Yeah, well, you can't forget yeah. Cardinals-Cubs either. But uh, and, and Cardinals-Brewers also has its own history. But I, I think the intensity and the, the closeness of locales and the fact that so many Cubs fans come from Wisconsin because of the Braves moving to Atlanta and and all that sort of stuff and, and missing 
you know, basically an entire generation, um, you have a lot that goes into that rivalry. You do, you do, and I'm 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 excited to talk about baseball and the afterthought and and yes, get your thoughts on some things. I actually wish I really had uh, some Cincinnati. I actually don't own anything that Cincinnati Reds, being that I am a Reds fan. But I didn't become a baseball fan until later in life. Well, to be fair, I mean, you are a ginger. You're a walking Reds billboard. Well, that That's true. And by the way, I expect my Reds to absolutely suck this year. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about all of that in the afterthought. We're going to talk about uh, Major League Baseball, its tax-exempt status, and, um, well, the fact that this should have been week number two of the Major League Baseball season. And, uh, we'll, we'll talk all that stuff in the afterthought. So join us at criticalthinking.locals.com backslash subscribe. Again, $5 a month or $45 for your annual subscription. You will get this, and we have other content coming your way in the weeks and months ahead. Um, that having been said, yesterday we teased what we were going to be talking about on today's show. And, you know, yesterday we talked, um, you know, we talked about um, fraud and corruption and cover-ups we have more to report on the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, James Biden um, story. We have more. But before we get into that, the thing that we really teased yesterday was um, a paper that has been put out by John R. Lott, who is a crime prevention researcher. Okay, And he has largely focused his career on voter fraud. His entire career has been focused on that. Not just here in the United States of America, but around the world, Pat. And he has a paper um, that has come out in Public Choice, okay? And it's just uh, titled this, Simple Test for the Extent of Voter Fraud with Absentee and Provisional Ballots in the 2020 U.S. Presidential Election. Now, you and I have both alleged this about the 2020 election. The fraud wasn't that they were coming up with brand new ballots the day of, right? Or somehow dead voters were magically coming up, right? The All the old school stuff, right? The allegation that we had made is that the, the systems that were set up at a county, state, and sometimes within the federal system, but the, the systems that were set up were rife with fraud, that they were given to fraud to potentially happen, right? And that Democrats, by and large, had stuffed not just the ballot box, but the positions of power within county municipal governments, right? To allow them to manipulate the system. They didn't do anything, quote-unquote, illegal, so to speak. They used and manipulated the system and changed the system. And it's that change that allowed for this fraud to happen. Well, that's exactly what this paper alleges, Pat. And we're going to go into this. But... Um, I, I had a chance to check out an interview that he did um, on the Steve Dace program, and I think it's important to understand that that what this paper is about when you actually read it, because I did, um, it is a rather lengthy or lengthy 
academic uh, piece. It goes like some like 38 PDF pages, right? Um, so, but the, the overarching point is that he's looking forward, right? He's giving a blueprint to look forward. How do we get integrity going forward? Right? So, his other point here is, how do we measure what kind of fraud happened or didn't happen? How did he do it? Right? Well, the issue that actually occurred in the 2020 election and the problem that the GOP really had, because let's face facts here, I think other than like five or six court cases, the GOP and the Donald Trump campaign lost everything. Like they didn't even get beyond like discovery in most of these cases, right? Or even to discovery. Right, yeah. And he points out the problem here because what the courts set up was a always going to fail test. Because what they were asking the Republican parties in most states, because those and the Trump uh, the Trump campaign, because those were the uh, the parties that had standing, if you will, right? They were asking them, in order to get to discovery, okay, in order to further these things, to prove that voter fraud would have changed the outcome of the election, prove to us in the court. That voter fraud would have changed the outcome of the election and will allow you to discover. Do you see that as a problem, Pat? Just a wee bit. Because here's the catch-22. In order to have had that evidence, you would have had to have either had the goods already or get it via discovery. Subpoena. All of that, all of those techniques, right? They wouldn't grant discovery without proof that the outcome would have changed. Yet, the allegation that is being made in many of these cases is that the GOP was denied access to watch, monitor, or participate in vote counting, in chain of custody with ballot boxes, Therefore, they couldn't have had that that proof, right? There's no way for them to have gotten that proof without discovery. Right. Which, but you're that, but you're saying to the the GOP, uh, show us the outcome would have changed. Now, John Lott gives them a blueprint in how to do this statistically. So how do you prove something that you weren't given access to, right? How do you prove fraud happened when the fraud that's being alleged, okay? When the fraud being alleged was because you were locked out of the process in the first place. How do you prove it? Well, John Lott gives us that blueprint. He tells us in this paper that the techniques that he uses are really good statistical techniques, first of all. And basically what he does is he takes like Fulton County or Allegheny County, which is Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, right? Right. Okay. So what he does is he takes them and compares the precinct by precinct level between them and let's say that very neighboring county, right? So the precinct that maybe one side of the street 
and the other side of the street are in two different counties in two different precincts. And then takes a look at the voting patterns because they shouldn't be very different. The demographics between those precincts that are right on top of each other shouldn't be very different. Correct? Correct, but could they be? That's what he wanted to study, right? Mm -hmm. So he looked at 2016 and 2020 elections, right? So what he found overall, Pat, overall, before we get into the weeds of this, is that he looked specifically at Georgia and Pennsylvania, the two states that were alleged to have had the the most influence on the outcome of this election, right? Because if, if Trump were to have won either Pennsylvania or Georgia, he wins the election, correct? Mm, doesn't he need at least one more? Oh, right. He might have needed yeah. Nevada or Wisconsin in the mix either, but we're right. about to get into that. But when he looks at Georgia and Pennsylvania as separate entities, right, the, the statistics are separate. He does not find, and I want to quote this, when I examine Georgia and Pennsylvania separately, weak evidence of vote fraud on absentee ballots is found. However, he continues, combining the samples produces significant results and implies that 10,000 additional votes for Biden in Pennsylvania's Allegheny County, where contrary to state law, voters were allowed to correct alleged deficits in absentee ballots by submitting provisional ballots on election day. 10,000 votes in one county. Do you think that's a problem? Yes, Pat. Is that bad? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Now, the analysis continues to finding that such uh, permission contributed to a statistically significant additional 6,700 votes for Biden alone. Finally, vote fraud can show up as an artificially larger voter turnout, higher rates of file, uh, filling out absentee ballots for people who had not voted, dead people voting, ineligible people voting, which is what the big-time allegation in Nevada was, right, that people who are ineligible to vote were voting, or payments for votes, which is also another allegation in Nevada, right? Well, I'm glad you talked about the extra states that were needed because according to the analysis by lot, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin combined indicate at least 255,000 excess votes for Biden. Excess, extra votes for Joe Biden. That, Is that's that bad? Bad. Yes, that's bad. Now, in his interview, he goes on, and in this paper, he goes on to give um, kind of a range, right? He believes that that 255,000 number is his best estimate based off of the statistical analysis available. He does say that it could be in excess of 300,000. Now, 
again, what we had talked about is how does he come up with this, right? He talks about in the paper uh, comparing the absentee balloting and the data of 2016 and 2020 because his thought process was this, Pat, right? So if, if... if I know what the statistical pattern of 2016 was from precinct A in county X, right? And then precinct A in county Y, and they're the same demographics, the same voter patterns, things like that, right? If if, if all things are equal, right, they should look equal on the voting side, right? Well, in 2016, that had held true. There was less than 1% difference between these counties, like in Allegheny and Fulton County. Okay, so Fulton County being Atlanta in Georgia. Okay, so when he takes a look at neighboring counties with similar demographics, what does he find in 2016? He finds less than 1% statistical difference, basically insignificant difference between how the vote would have gone, right? Well... In-person voting at the precincts, statistically, no difference. Now, where are those votes counted, Pat? In these counties? In the precinct. Where are the absentee and provisional ballots counted, Pat? Um... Great question, actually. I actually don't know the answer to that one. At the county offices. Isn't that typically where they would be counted? Here's the issue. Mm -hmm. When only one party has access to those offices as they count those absentee ballots, how do you know that those are correct absentee ballots? That's a problem. Right. Now, Mm -hmm. 2016... Uh, between the precincts was about 1% of a difference, okay? In his analysis, though, in 2020, the difference, in-person voting followed the exact same pattern between the, the, the two counties as he compares them, right? Or the multiple counties, right? Because here's the rub, right? You can go around Pittsburgh and around Atlanta and see multiple different counties, Right. But as he looks right. from precinct to precinct level, because that's the the you're getting into the micro instead of the macro, and this is the important part in voter fraud. Well, <clears throat> absentee ballot rates changed by about twenty five percent between the precincts, and it was a twenty five percent swing to Democrats. In these precincts, by the way, a Democratic precinct to a Democratic precinct comparison, there is somehow an excess of of at least, on average, 25% on a precinct to precinct level. And uh, I'm just for, for kicks and giggles here, because, I mean, that is very bad. That is a very bad statistical swing. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Is that enough to sway an election? We don't know. But I will tell you this, 255,000 votes in key states where we don't even understand what the in-person fraud has been 
or could have been. And this is just what he's able to find by digging into known statistics, right? Right. That's a problem. I mean, this is this is where we, we've been talking about we, we can't trust our election system right now, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is just, in, in my opinion, the tip of the iceberg because we we don't know all the in person stuff, right? Right now, here's his other allegation as he looks looks this information up. Uh-huh. Okay, that in Allegheny County, so in Pennsylvania, in general, it is against state law for you to what they call cure an absentee ballot. If an absentee ballot has a problem, it gets tossed. You can't cure an absentee ballot because you have no chain of custody to that original ballot and the new one, right? You're not allowed to fill out a provisional absentee ballot, okay? In Allegheny County, what he has found is that the Democrats magically Every provisional ballot on an absentee ballot was a Democrat ballot. It didn't happen with the GOP at all, to the tune of an excess of 7,000 votes. That doesn't mean that all 7,000 of them were actually counted, right? But there is a a potential for 7,000 thousand extra votes in one county alone now pat can you do me a quick favor because i have all this paper stuff in front of me and i can't look it up what was the vote difference in the state of pennsylvania in 2020 if you can while i'm talking now his other allegation is if this is happening in just allegheny county what is happening in other states across this country Well, this is his statistical analysis that it's very likely that this was what was going on. Where allegations of fraud happen, by the way, Pat, in excess of 25% of an increase in the vote total for Democrats in the 2020 election, just in the just in the areas or the states where this fraud was alleged to have happened, right? Wayne County in Michigan, um, Milwaukee County in Wisconsin, right? You can go on and on. Allegheny County, um, I think it's Delaware County or whatever it is where um, Philadelphia is. Fulton County in Georgia, but everywhere else in the country, if you just exclude those voter fraud areas, okay? If you exclude them, Joe Biden got a either statistically insignificant bump or in most cases actually saw a decrease in the vote total between 2016 to 2020. The vote total in 2020 for Joseph Marionette Biden was lower across this country with the exception of these areas in which a 25% increase in the Democratic vote took place. 
it, so, it his point here is if you take a look at these statistical situations, if these were true, they should hold true almost across the board. Right? You you should at least see an increase overall. Now, we, we were told that there's an increase in the vote, right? That he got 80 million votes, the highest vote total ever in this country's history. Well, sure, if 25% in major metropolitan areas across this country increased, you're going to see that vote total increase by a very significant amount. But the allegation here is that there's no way to know how that 25% increase actually transferred to the vote. And if it was actual voters, if it was actual people, or these types of situations where they stuffed 7,000 provisional ballots on top of the actual absentee ballot. That's how you get a 25% increase, right? So like if Fulton County decides that we're going to we're going to cure the vote or Allegheny County decides that we're going to cure that vote. Well, are they counting the 7,000 plus the actual absentee ballot or are they counting just the 7,000 and excluding the original ballot? We have no way of knowing why, because one side was shut out of that process. But Pat, um, what was the difference in, in Pennsylvania alone? So uh, this is what I found in the preliminary results. Okay. Um, just doing a quick Google search. Uh, so Trump had won the state in 2016 by a narrow margin of 0.72%. Biden won it in 2020 by a 1.17% margin. So how many total votes, though, um, is the alleged difference? That's That's my point here. It's something like 100,000, isn't it? Let's see. So so the overall point looking. is... Huh? Let me, keep, let me keep looking because let's see if I can get the uh, actual vote number. Yeah. So my point overall being, if it is a significant statistical anomaly of 7,000 that he's able to find, imagine mm. what it actually is. Okay, so I got it. Mm -hmm. So votes, yep. number of votes. Yep, yep, yep. Donald Trump had 3,377,674. Yep, so 3.3 .3 million. Okay. okay. Joe Biden, 3,458,229. So less than 100,000. Yep. Okay, so I want you to think about that. That's just Allegheny County alone. Take away... Roughly 10,000 in Allegheny County alone. Now do that in heavily Democratic areas all throughout the, the state. You'd, you All you need to do is find five. And you've got and a problem. There is one, two, three, four. Uh, five, there's more than 10 here. There's more than 10 counties here right. that are blue. So, and I'm just talking about major population centers. Imagine, right, if, right. Oh. So that's Pittsburgh alone that he was able to find. Imagine what happens in Philly, right? Right. Imagine what's at, going I'm... on elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And his problem with uh, the Philadelphia area in in using it is that <clears throat> the the situation in the two counties is so 
divergent that it's impossible for him to have put this together. But his point in all of this is to point out that we have structural issues. We have issues that lead and tend towards voter fraud. And that's exactly what we have been alleging the entire time, is that it is not about them going in in stuffing the ballot box on election day or, you know, um, John Smith, who's been dead since 1925, um, is now voting, right? That's not what we're, that's not what the allegation is, or that Dominion voting somehow um, flipped a switch and and for every Democrat, every fifth Democrat, they got an extra vote, right? Or whatever, right? Whatever right. bullshit conspiracy theory is out there. We don't even need those conspiracy theories. The statistics and facts are on our side, folks. The statistics and facts are on our side. Yet the courts won't allow more digging of those statistics and facts. So <clears throat> you can't litigate the 2020 election. And it's not right. worth litigating it. What it is worth is knowing what the problem is and fixing it. And to Lot's point, because he does research on this stuff all across the world, by the way. Did you know, Pat, there are what, 47? 47 countries in Europe. Okay? 47 recognized countries in Europe. Can you guess how many of those countries have voter ID laws? 47. 46 and a half. So you're close. So the UK, there's one part of the UK, and I think it's Northern Ireland, that doesn't have uh, the voter ID part, but it is being put into law right now. So by the end of this year, we will have all 47 countries in Europe require government-issued ID to vote. 47. Furthermore, Pat, can you guess how many of them allow absentee ballots? Um, zero. Ten. Ten, okay. Only ten. Thirty-five, by the way, of the 47, ban them completely. There is no such thing as an absentee ballot in 35 countries. And... Of the 10 countries that allow absentee ballots, Pat, how many of them allow it for whatever reason you want? Four. Oh, zero. Oh, damn. Four. Six of them, by the way, require one of two things to be true. You're either going to be in the hospital or you have military service that will take you away. And oh, by the way, even then... <clears throat> All 10 of those that allow absentee ballots require you to show up in person with an ID. You don't get to mail in your ballot. And in six of those 10, you must show outside third-party proof. So either it, the military sends a letter or the hospital sends a letter. And you have to show ID and you have to show up in person. To vote. And they only allow you to absentee vote if you are, again, in the military and not going to be in country or you're going to be in the hospital. Uh, 
Um, now, Pat, furthermore, <clears throat> as we go 30 minutes on this topic alone, um, ballot boxes, right? The, the, uh, mm-hmm. the crux of my point of voter fraud in 2020, mm-hmm. how many of the countries in Europe allow those ballot boxes? Meaning the ballot boxes on the street corner that we allowed in 2020. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with zero again. You got it right. Dang, Not yes. a single one of the 40, 47 countries in Europe. Why does that matter? Because as much fraud that exists within some of the governmental systems that exist in Europe, by and large, the voting, the actual mechanism of voting is not as rife with fraud, at least in terms of the actual physical vote now there are people who pay bribes there are people who do this do that right that's not what he's dealing with he's dealing with the actual mechanism of which voting happens none of them allow for this why because they all say we have no way of proving the chain of custody of those votes we would have to have somebody sitting right there a camera right there all the time somebody there all the time and oh, by the way, we have no idea how many ballots get dropped off at a single time. And the what was the allegation in the 2020 election? That in the cover of darkness, you would see the Democrat Party just plop a ton of votes into the voter box. And there's no way to know if those are real or not. Furthermore, you had the Democrats actually mailing ballots out to people who may or may not have actually voted already. And you have no way of knowing if the government counted both of the votes. All of this to say, Pat, once again, we were right. The evidence, the statistics, the data, it all points to exactly what we talked about. So for everybody in this audience who wants to go down the Dominion voting route, who wants to talk about voter fraud and stealing the election, you don't have to talk about Dominion. You don't have to talk about these fantastical claims of the of the uh, the Trump campaign, right? You don't have to go down Rudy Giuliani and uh, um, what was her name? Sydney Powell. Yeah, you don't have to go down those routes. All you have what? to do is look at how the vote was set up and Formally pay the frick attention to what they're doing now. They're trying to enshrine all of this into federal law and they're trying to continue what, what I've pointed all along to the answer and the solution being the UK model, right? You go, you vote. The, the ballot box is opaque so that you, you can see how many ballots are being put into the ballot box. It has a padlock on it. And then it goes into a van that goes directly to a central voting area in which literally cameras are everywhere that you can see the physical vote happen. How hard is this? How hard is it to say, hey, guess what? We're going to give you an opportunity to vote. And if you're going to vote absentee, you better be able to show why you need to vote absentee. And you better be able to... um, Show and if you can't show up to the polls that day, meh, tough. 
I've been saying this for basically the last two years now. If you're going to vote, and, and, and this because this is how sacred the vote is, by the way. It, it, it's meant to be held as a sacred civic duty. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because of that, mm-hmm. you must go and show up and vote. Like, actually go to where in your community where they where they are holding a vote go there and actually vote do a paper ballot it because because people don't trust dominion now with with every all the allegations that have been made i'm like okay fine we don't want to go down that road fine paper ballots all around period you go in you fill it out you put it in the box you do exactly what you just said, and that's it. If you don't like it, if you think it's inconvenient, tough. This isn't meant to be a convenient thing. Mm-hmm. This is not meant to be a, oh, yeah, I get to go. No, this is meant to be something that is very serious and something that is our duty. Duty is not something that is convenient. I understand we all have lives, we have jobs, we have families, we have whatever going on. If you feel it's important enough to vote, you can not vote. You you can stay home and not vote. That, that That's up to you. But if you feel it's important enough to vote, you get your butt down there and you do it. You wait in that line and you do it. No early voting, no vote by mail. I hate voting by mail. I think it's the most insecure yeah. way of voting. I don't disagree with you. I think the easiest solution here is great. We have a national holiday. Nobody has an excuse not to not to go to the polls on a federal election day. Now, on a state level, um, you know, you can do what you want. But if it is a federal election, right, you get the day off and you must participate now here in here in the city of Chicago and in the state of Illinois, your employer must give you time to vote, by the way, on election day. They have to by law. You get the time off. So if it takes you two hours to vote, they have to give you those two hours. So um, I agree. Voting is an action. Civics is an action. You must be participatory in it. Part of being participatory is actually doing something. And we have gotten to this, this thought that if we must go to the individual. No, the individual must come to the civic forum. That's the reality that we live in. Now, with that being said, Pat, it is time for us to have a little bit of fun here. Okay. Are you are you are you ready to play the B or not the B? I am ready to win more of Dominic Izzo's Ponzi scheme MLM money. All right. So today's headline. Liberals outraged to learn 10% of Twitter now owned by African American. Liberals outraged to learn 10% of Twitter now owned by African American. And while you're thinking about that, um, thank you to each and every one of you who has donated to uh, Dave, Faith, and Mr. Clarence's um, Fundly for their uh, home and their business in Iowa. Uh, We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Um, but do not forget as well to support um, shows that um, take a stand and and shows that, 
you know, believe in, um, well, <clears throat> while you're free to say what you want to say, um, I am also free to not associate with your uh, bullcrap. <clears throat> and uh, that includes um, places like Defenders Live, which airs every single Monday through Friday at 9 p.m.? Is it 8 p.m. Eastern? Uh, I think it's it, 9 p.m. Eastern. It's 9 p.m. Eastern. Yep, 9 p.m. Eastern. Over on Rumble, um, you can check them out on podcast, and you can become part of the Defenders Live. You can become a defender by uh, going to DOE, doaeshow.com. Check it out. I'm a defender. Um, so $5 a month gets you some really cool access. Um, you'll get the full two hours of the show and, and so much more. But uh, go check them out. Dylan and Steven, um, you know, they're, they're doing amazing work on their own. Uh, so go check them out. Now, having said that, Pat, do you need the headline one more time? No, but I'm having a hard time with this one. Because is Elon, is, is Elon Musk an African-American? Like, like does, does his heritage come from Africa at all? And I'm not, I'm, I can't, I can't remember. Um, but I'm going to go with not to be. Okay. Very hesitantly, but I'm going to lock that in as my final answer. So your instinct is correct. However, you are wrong. About this what? is the Babylon Bee. <clears throat> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. That is crap. That nope. is absolutely because if it's true, this has to be not to be. <clears throat> Liberals at Twitter were outraged this morning upon finding out that almost 10% of their company is now owned by an African American. Several have threatened walkouts to protest the news. That man's foreign ways aren't welcome here, said Twitter programming director Jerzy Bamuski Zizer. I watched a TikTok video about a Salon article about a tweet from a journalist that said he is based, which is another word for transphobic. I have literally not stopped shaking and throwing up on my desk since I found out. Several unnamed sources from within the company express worry that the African immigrant will influence the company to value freedom of speech. Even allowing people to send tweets, uh, people like Vamusi 6 don't agree with. Tweets I don't agree with make me feel unsafe, which means they're literally violence and I'm going to burn this building down, Z said. Vamsuks 6 or whatever plans to stage a protest and demand the foreigner take his foreign ways back to where he came from. Other Twitter employees express excitement over the new ownership, especially for the free white claws now available in every break room. Now, yes, you are partially correct. And the point of this entire thing is that he technically is an African-American, right? He technically yeah, he is in, that. He was born Africa. in South Africa. Yeah, right. I got. However, that is not the connotation that most people would use to describe a white person from Africa, right? Well, yeah. This is why this is the best satire on the face of the earth. He is literally actually an African-American. But it's true. But it's not because the connotation of African-American is actually somebody who's black, right, here in America? Yeah, but... Okay. It doesn't apply to white people, Pat. Because, remember, they're colonizers. Racist bastards. And I'm all about decolonization. Well, I mean... 
Which, uh, by the way, Pat, you got. I, I'll have to take this picture and put it on Twitter when I when I get a chance. But there's a new business going in, um, right down the street from us, and it's got all the BLM stuff in the windows, and it's like decolonize, d this, d that. I was like, de decolonize what? This city? What are you? What the hell are you talking about? Decolonize what? What's colonized? Oh, I mean, we do have territories, right? Puerto Rico, yeah. American Samoa, um, a few others, but um, we don't really colonize them. They're kind of free no. to do their own thing. I was going to say, that's, that's kind of the difference between a colony and a territory, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now... That having been said, Pat, uh, do we do we really want to get into this Hunter Biden story? How much time do we have? Uh, like three minutes. <sighs> Let's just say this to in furtherance of proof that something nefarious this way was going on. Um, U.S. banks. According to CBS News, by the way, and Catherine Herridge over there, who moved from Fox News. So if you're into the Fox News uh, um, is is gold standard, that then you should realize that Catherine Herridge is one of the gold standards of, of uh, foreign policy and things like that in D.C., right? She's one of the best reporters on it on the planet. Now. She is alleging that Biden's son, meaning Hunter Biden, and James Biden, his brother, had 150 plus transactions involving global businesses flagged as concerning by U.S. banks. 150 of them. Some of those concerns included large wire transfers. Senator Chuck Grassley told CBS News that he believes the Biden's brother uh, that Biden's brother was a key part of Hunter Biden's business ventures inside communist China. I think James Biden was very much a part of this. This week, Grassley released bank records indicating that James Biden's company, the Lion Hall Group, was paid directly by a Chinese finance consulting firm. In our interview, Grassley did not allege that the Bidens broke the law, but he said it's concerning that both Hunter and James Biden were promised retainers for their work in China, totaling $165,000 a month in 2017, just months after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. Is that bad, Pat? Took the words right out of my mouth. So what is unraveling here, Pat? What are you seeing here? We're seeing CBS, CNN, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all of these quote-unquote mainstream, a.k.a. Democratic agitprop, right? Right. They're allowing this reporting to go down. Whereas two years ago, they wouldn't. <clears throat> that thread is unraveling on top of all the stuff that we saw with Obama coming to the white house this week and, and Joe Biden looking like a lost puppy dog because everybody wanted to pay attention to Biden, not him. Right. We're seeing all of this stuff unravel and you mean paid attention to Obama, not Biden. Yes. They paid attention yeah. to Obama, not Biden. Biden was a lost puppy dog. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I what when this is happening, the House of Cards is coming fallen pretty soon. Like, if there's an indictment of Hunter Biden, his presidency is over. Why? Now he can't be um, prosecuted while in office, but he can be impeached. His presidency would be over because here's the the thread that will unravel the proof that Hunter Biden was using not only his dad's position inside the government, but also saving money for his dad on the side. That's what's going to come out here. And it does that that's an impeachable offense. Sorry. it, It is, but impeachment won't happen until the Democrats lose the majority in Congress. Right. Which was going to happen in November. Right. Okay. So come December, when they seat the new Congress, that's what's going to happen. So this will almost be an immediate. So, uh, you know, do you go through that impeachment or do you just resign? And you resign saying that, uh, you know, unfortunately, I can't physically do the job anymore and save some face. Right. And that's exactly what we've been alleging this entire time. Now, right. with that having been said, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And let's go, Brandon. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. We will see you on the aftermath, criticalthinking.locals.com backslash subscribe. And of course, as always, Matthew 547.